good afternoon, good evening. We have no idea what time zone you guys will all be in when you're watching this. Um, but I am David Shirk. I'm a director of Friends of Kajabi. Um, and I'm sitting here with Greg Sund, our newest, um, our newest addition to the Kajabi team. We uh, moved here from uh, a small village rural hospital in Burundi where we had been for about five years. And, uh, and so what was your training and background and specialty in the States before you started doing this Africa stuff? So uh, I'm a board certified anesthesiologist. Um, I did a fellowship in cardiothoracic anesthesia and I was in private practice for uh, several years uh, before we moved to Burundi about five years ago. And uh, during my time in private practice, I was doing uh, annual trips to uh, various places in Africa uh, and kind of prayerfully trying to discern with my wife uh, where God might be calling us to. And uh, we ended up uh, at this hospital in Burundi, um, which was a teaching hospital. And uh, it was a place where I could not just do anesthesia, but also teach anesthesia to medical students and, uh, and non-physician anesthetist students. What, what was the terminology for them? Here we call them KRNAs, so it's Kenya Registered Nurse Anesthetist. Did you guys have a designation? Yeah, so that's one of the problems is that the training for non-physician anesthetists is variable from country to country in Africa. There's no continent-wide standard. Um, and so in Burundi, they were anesthesia technicians. Um, and so they had uh, a bit less training than the Kenyan nurse anesthetists have here. Mm. Um, and uh, unfortunately, it's different in every country. And unfortunately, there are still a lot of hospitals in Sub-Saharan Africa where um, the uh, anesthesia is being provided by uh, underqualified uh, and sometimes not even trained uh, providers uh, who are uh, just there to fill in the gaps. And this was the case in Kajabi for a very long time. Before, I want to get into Burundi. I want to hear more about that because I actually don't know. I know you, I know some of your colleagues, but I don't know much about the hospital and particularly the medical kind of situation that you guys were facing there. Um, but before that, why does somebody who's a private practice anesthesiologist in America walk away from that and move to Africa? Yeah, well, ultimately, um, it was definitely uh, a calling from the Lord that he laid on our hearts. Um, after doing frequent trips uh, to Africa, uh, I saw just the massive discrepancy uh, in anesthesia care between what's going on in most of Sub-Saharan Africa and what's going on in, uh, in the United States. And uh, I was just really convicted that uh, here I have the ability and the capacity to go to a place like Burundi uh, or Kenya and teach anesthesia. Um, and uh, it was something that the Lord uh, laid on my heart and thankfully on my wife's heart as well. That's awesome. And you guys came out, so you've been doing short-term trips and then you moved for a year, was it 2013 to Burundi? Yeah, it was 2014. Okay. Uh, we moved to Burundi for a year. Uh, and we joined a team, uh, a multi-specialist team, that had just settled there a few months earlier that I had met on one of these short-term trips to Tenwick Hospital in Kenya in 2010. We heard they were moving there. Um, they had uh, three surgical specialists, and uh, the anesthesia care at the time was provided by one non-physician anesthetist, 
uh, with coverage by some actually non-trained providers. Um, their uh, community health worker who normally gives vaccines was taught how to give ketamine to get people through surgeries and cesarean sections on, uh, at nights and on the weekends. Uh, and so they asked me if uh, we would come out for initially for a year to help work with this one uh, uh, non-physician anesthetist to try to help increase her capacity for what she could do. Um, and during our year there, we realized that, oh, there's actually uh, an anesthetist training program that sends students to this hospital and there was no physician anesthesiologist to teach them. There were actually medical students who had a required anesthesia and critical care rotation and there was no anesthesiologist to teach them. Uh, and so uh, we felt like uh, this is where we were called to be uh, for longer than just one year. So we went back to the States to support RAISE for a year and then to France for a year for language training because it's a Francophone country. And then uh, in uh, 2017, we moved there and we've been there since uh, just a few months ago, mm -hmm. up until just a few months ago. Yeah, awesome. Um, and we've had this KRNA program in Kajabi for about a decade, officially. Um, I think before that, kind of unofficially. Mm -hmm. What What is the difference between anesthesiology training for a physician-level anesthesiologist versus for a nurse anesthetist level in Africa? Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, in general, I mean, uh, non-physician anesthetists uh, are there to, you know, put the patients to sleep, to monitor them during surgery, wake them up. Um, Physician uh, anesthesiologists are there to be uh, basically consultants um, when, for more complicated cases. Uh, when complications arise uh, at any time during the perioperative period, um, they are also typically in Africa the ones that will uh, be a lot more involved in uh, intensive care uh, medicine, mm -hmm. in uh, post-operative pain management, um, and also in leading and teaching uh, medical students, anesthetist students, uh, and other uh, other healthcare specialists that that need some training in uh, anesthesia, critical care, and or uh, resuscitation. Hmm. How so? What's what did ICU care look like um, in Burundi versus what it looks like, you know, somewhere like Kenya? I mean, I, I know Kenya's. We're behind America, but you still walk in and you know, you've got real ventilators and usually a good oxygen supply. Right. Yeah, I think in the entire country of Burundi, there are about 12 uh, ICU ventilators. Mm -hmm. uh, unfortunately, none of them are at the hospital that I worked at. Those mm -hmm. are all at a, uh, the main university teaching hospital mm -hmm. in the capital city. Mm -hmm. uh, at our hospital, when, when we arrived, there was no intensive care unit. Uh, during my time there, we made a small step forward by designating four surgical beds uh, that we were, where we were able to do um, uh, a little bit more intensive monitoring, nursing surveillance, um, uh, but it was still um, you know, a, a far cry from what you have at Kajabi and mm. what we're used to in, in the US. Mm. What, what do you see if you were to think um, you know, 5, 10, 15, 20 years out. What would you like to see happen um, in our region, you know, in East Africa? You can speak to yeah. Burundi or you can, you know, I don't know how familiar you are with other countries. Um, so answer however you want. 
Yeah, I would say um, anesthesia care and critical care in general are very variable right now. Um, and there are a lot of places uh, where anesthesia is simply not safe. Um, mortality uh, under surgery in Sub-Saharan Africa in general is uh, twice what it is in the U.S. Uh, and so there, there needs to be a great deal more invested in training uh, non-physician anesthetists which ultimately uh, needs to be done by physician anesthetists. Mm -hmm. um, and that's kind of leading into why we decided to move to Kenya. Awesome. Mark Newton's done some sessions here just um, on training, training trainers. Mm -hmm. um, and essentially that's the, that's the vision, right? You're mm -hmm. teaching people who, will, who are qualified to teach others, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's the, you know, the, the biblical model from mm -hmm. 2 Timothy chapter two teach others who will be able to teach others who will be able to teach others and uh, and so that's a big part of why we moved here we saw that um, what we were doing uh, training non-physician anesthesia providers in Burundi and medical students was 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 good work and it was important but it wasn't sustainable in the long term and so uh, in, in Burundi, for example, there are only seven physician anesthesiologists and I was the only one working outside the capital city. Um, and so that leaves the vast majority of hospitals um, without an anesthesia consultant, without somebody who can um, manage critically ill patients in an intensive care setting. Uh, and so um, ultimately during our time in Burundi, I came to realize that Burundi was not alone. There are a lot of other East African countries where this is the case. And if you look at the numbers, um, there are, you know, there is a recommendation uh, by uh, the World Federation of Anesthesiologists to have, you know, a minimum of five physician anesthesiologists per 100,000 uh, uh, population. And How many people were in Burundi? Uh, so the number in Burundi came out to it was about 0 0.018, I believe. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, it's better in Kenya, but it's still mm -hmm. far from five per 100,000. Mm -hmm. um, and so I, I just came to, to, to realize over our time in Burundi that Sub-Saharan Africa, while it does need more non-physician anesthetists in order to, to form and train more non-physician anesthetists, we have to, at the same time, train physician anesthesiologists. Um, so what does the groundwork look like for building up to this training program starting? There started to be some discussions going on between a small group of us who are um, anesthesiologists, uh, who are missionaries in Africa. Um, probably, I would say in 2017, so three years ago, um, and most of us had been exposed to or involved in uh, helping to do some anesthesia training with surgeons under the under PACS, which is the Pan-African Academy of Christian Surgeons. And so we already had some relational foundation with uh, PACS programs and the leadership of PACS. And uh, as we started uh, talking together as a group about the need to start creating um, anesthesiology, physician and anesthetist training programs, uh, it seemed to us logical to try to partner with uh, PACS. And so uh, last year at the PACS board meeting in Chicago, a group of us went and uh, we presented uh, the idea of starting an initial uh, anesthesiology residency program under the umbrella of PACS uh, to their board. 
and uh, it was received favorably and they agreed to allow us to uh, to start this initial program in uh, January 2021 here in Kajabi. Awesome. And what has to uh, what what has to fall in place for things to kick off in January? Yeah. I assume there's a few things. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So you know, thankfully, um, we we have three uh, we have now three uh, board certified physician anesthesiologists that will be serving here. Uh, myself, uh, Dr. Roger Barnett, and Dr. Mark Newton. Uh, both of them have been here already previously for several years. Um, so that's the first piece, and we can check that one off. Uh, the second piece is uh, we, we do need uh, funding uh, to support this program. And so to train each resident costs about $25,000 a year per resident. Uh, our plan is to start with two residents uh, and build up from there. And so we are currently in the, the, the support raising mm -hmm. phase of this. How long um, is the program? Is it three years? Yes, yeah, so all of our uh, anesthesia, uh, anesthesiology residents mm -hmm. uh, will have had to have done one, a one-year internship. Mm -hmm. uh, that might be done at Kajabi, it might be done elsewhere. Mm -hmm. uh, but once, they're, once they've completed that, it will be three years of anesthesia and critical care training. Okay, awesome. Yeah, and then, um, so, so they'll do that. So that means total of sort of three years, so $75,000 per resident to get through the entire program. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. And so the other, then, you know, once uh, that piece uh, falls into place, uh, the next thing we need to do is recruit our first two residents. And so the announcement uh, that we would be starting this program was just sent out uh, about, uh, I think, three weeks ago. Mm -hmm. And within a week, we had over 100 inquiries. And within a week later, we had uh, over 30 applications already submitted. And so we're currently, uh, the, the, the Anesthesiology Council under PACS uh, is currently in the process of going through those applications uh, to find who will be our first two residents. That's exciting. Yeah. It is really, really cool. Um, and it's been a dream long, long coming. And then the other side of this, um, I assume that these guys will do a, have a bond, service bond, similar to how the surgeons do. Mm -hmm. um, so where, where the surgeons, if, if they come under PACS, they're obligated to work that same number of years at a, um, at a Christian mission hospital. Mm -hmm. Is that the same? Yeah, so that's our, our plan and that's the PACS model. Mm -hmm. um, and a big reason for that is because typically it is the, the rural areas that are, that are underserved, both in terms of surgeons and anesthesiologists. And so we're really looking to, to recruit and train people who are going to, to go to those hard places uh, and, and live in those rural areas um, where, you know, unfortunately the, their salaries might not be as high as they would be in the city and uh, their lifestyle is going to be very different. And so it's definitely a calling from the Lord because they're going to have to uh, kind of give up a lot of the lifestyle that they might um, have in, in the bigger cities. Um, and so that is our plan to, to recruit residents who, are, who want to do that, who are willing to do that, and to serve in rural mission hospitals um, after their uh, training is done. Mm -hmm. It might be worth explaining, because uh, I'm sure some people will be familiar with terms like missionary and others might, if, if somebody's not familiar with how, how the structure of it works, it might sound like an 
odd word or an archaic word or something older. Um, but I th but I th it's important to set up like what what the need is um, because it gives a framework for what somebody like you or Roger Barnett um, or or Mark Newton um, what how how your life looks logistically and why we need people to help with this training program. But so what it, so what does it mean to like be a missionary and how does that process work for you being here? Wow, well, that's a that's a big uh, question, uh. <laughs> and, and and I I mean kind of more practically than I mean simply theologically, it's you know kind of somebody who's sent by God. Like yeah. you felt a you talked a little bit about that at the beginning as a kind of a, a spiritual call from God that you know hey this is your purpose this is what you feel like you're being led toward in your life, but then what is that what does it look like practically you know after that? Yeah, I think you know those of us who who are doing this. Um, Feel call, felt called and feel called to to go to places where um, we can, you know, minister to the needs of people both physically and spiritually. And so, you know, uh, we're not just here to to teach anesthesia. I'm not just here to teach anesthesia, but also to to, to disciple and to uh, try and uh, deepen um, my students, my residents, and hopefully my patients to understanding of of who who Jesus is what he's done for me and, and, and the world, and to point them to the hope that we have in him. Um, logistically speaking, um, those of us who are missionaries working in, in medicine in, um, you know, outside of the U.S., uh, typically that means that we, you know, we give up our U.S. salaries and we have to live off the support of others. So um, for all of us, um, we have a team of supporters um, uh, in the U.S. who who give um, some give once a year, some give monthly uh, to to meet all of our uh, the expenses that that we have, our living expenses, and that, that allow us to be here and do this work. So, um, you know, for a lot of us, uh, that's going to be churches in the U.S. or individual families. Um, but that's really um, the only way that we can be here and continue to do this work. Uh, and then that. Um, that support, that financial support, goes through our mission agency, and so um, we are here under mission agencies who also care for us, who keep an eye on us, who help us logistically with um, all the all the, the particularities that come with living in in rural Africa, um, which uh, we couldn't be here doing without them either. Yeah, yeah. As I think it's just helpful for people to understand the the framework and complexity because you know we've talked about several organizations and. Um, I don't want anybody's heads to get muddled over by this, but it's just important to know that it takes s multiple organizations to make these things uh, happen. Yeah. So, and they have their different roles. Like your mission agency is uh, is Surge, mm -hmm. but then we've got PAX, who's kind of the um, overseeing body for the for these programs. And then we've got COSEXA, the College of uh, Surgeons of East and Central Africa, who's like the accrediting body for the thing. And then we've got the little, the littlest organization out of all of them is Friends of Kajabi, mm -hmm. which is our nonprofit just dedicated to Kajabi Hospital. Um, and you had a, you had a great question, you know, why, David? Why are you doing this? You know, what, what, what's your role in this process? Um, and you know, why 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 would funds come to Friends of Kajabi instead of PACS? Mm -hmm. And the the short answer is. Um, Ultimately, they're going to both. Um, but Friends of Kajabi, we kind of have 
we have connections with people who pass through here over time. And Kajabi Hospital has been around for 100 years. Um, I think we're, yeah, 2020, we're just uh, turned 105 in May. And so there's just a, a deep, um, deep network of people who care. And ultimately, this is why I think Kajabi is a cool place, is because we get to be part of these training programs that affect not just this one place, but affect the entire region. Mm -hmm. So for me personally, you know, my role is just to help you guys amplify your message with the people we already have connected. And so, so that's our hope with Friends of Kajabi, to be um, essentially, as money comes in for, to Friends of Kajabi, a, a portion goes to PACS for the education resources and a portion ends up at Kajabi Hospital. And we will just you know, really follow the anesthesia council's instructions on really just where to write the check. The biggest involvement of Friends of Kajabi though is just storytelling and connecting, um, connecting donors and connecting um, you guys with potential people and just helping um, hopefully in that process. Yeah, and we're really grateful for Friends of Kajabi, as I mentioned, the, the, uh, the need to raise $25,000 a year per resident uh, to us is, is, is a big part of this, and we are, as an anesthesia council, are not really equipped to, to do that, and so we're really grateful to, uh, that uh, David and Friends of Kajabi agreed to, to help us um, with, that, with that arm of this, this program. Because these guys are amazing. Um, uh, you know, I spent a lot of time with Roger Barnett over the years, um, a lot of time with Mark Newton, and just what they do for our, our, our countries, you know, when I say our countries, Kenya and Burundi and these parts of the regions and for our world, these guys are amazing um, for the training program, but also for you as potential volunteers, once the world returns to normal, you will be really, really valuable. Um, I know there's some people uh, probably watch this. Jolene has been here um, every, you know, usually every summer will come over for a month. I believe Liz Drum has been here before. Um, Matt Kynes, we're hoping to get him here uh, for a longer term basis, but he's been here pretty regularly teaching. Um, and I know Rogers uh, had some folks over from, uh, from Temple and Mark Newton's have folks from Vanderbilt. That, those connections are also really, really, really important. So if you're watching this and, you know, I know it's some, for some of you it may be possible on a regular schedule, for some of you it may be less frequent, but it is a huge, huge, huge help for the people doing this on a daily basis to um, either give them that extra hand or give them a week or two off, you know, where they can recover and get back into the fray. So definitely as, um, if you're watching this, keep that in the back of your mind also, just how you can, um, how you can participate. Because there's um, really, I guess I would say there's probably three, three ways of, you know, really participating. You know, there's the financial component, there's the volunteer component, and then there's just the making connections with, um, with colleagues that you may have uh, around the states or around the world. So, yeah. anything you would add to that? Uh, no, I would second everything you just said. And uh, yeah, I would encourage any anesthesiologist out there who's uh, watching this uh, to, to come see for yourself. Uh, Kajabi's a really special place. Uh, and a big part of the reason why we're able to start this program is because it is a place where we do get uh, short-term uh, volunteers who come and help and teach and uh, give the long-term folks a break. Um, and uh, it also is great because it gives the students 
uh, a different perspective because everybody who comes has something different to teach, mm -hmm. different areas of expertise, uh, different experiences to share, and, uh, and all that I think is what's going to make this program so rich. Mm -hmm. For me, this is really exciting. Um, because I've, I've come in, my wife Ariana is a pediatric emergency medicine doctor. We've been in Kajabi almost seven years now. Um, and we came in and we were just hear, you know, hear legends, honestly, about, about these people who started these programs and how they came to be. So for me, just looking at this, this is a, just amazing. This is something that a hundred years from now, people are going to look back on and think, wow, this started then and this, in this specific place with these people. Yeah. Thank you, David. Appreciate all that. Thank Appreciate you so. your time and all your help. Definitely. So it's exciting. And um, so to all you guys out there who might be watching this, thank you in advance um, for, you know, for however you are able to join us and uh, kind of making this, making this dream of just better quality, more accessible, more affordable um, healthcare reality for people everywhere in the world. So thank you. Thank you.